Hello again, this is the World Economic News by Coldwater Economics for Wednesday the 7th of October. I've previously talked and written about how the visible trends in Northeast Asia's exports and G3 imports have exited the pandemic in far stronger condition than was expected and is generally appreciated. In August, for example, Northeast Asia's exports were up 2.9%, which may not sound great, but achieving a positive year-on-year has been a rare event over the last 18 months. More, the six-month deflection above trend of 0.4 standard deviations is also at about the top end of the range that we've seen since 2010. We've now got enough data for September to be confident that this strength is going to be maintained and extended. Today, we got Japan's 20-day data for September, and those showed exports down only 1.9% year-on-year in yen terms. But with a monthly movement, three and a half standard deviations above historic seasonal trend, that's a breakout. In dollar terms, those exports were down only 0.3% year-on-year, compared to a fall of 15.1% in August. Japan still accounts for about 14% of Northeast Asian's exports, so this is a significant result. But it's not the only one. Earlier, we learned that South Korea's September exports rose 7.7% in dollar terms, and the monthly movement was two standard deviations above historic seasonal trends. Whilst we don't have the breakdown for Japan's 20-day data, we do know that in South Korea, exports to the US were up 23.2%, to the EU up 15.4%, China was up 8.2%, ASEAN was up 8.2%, and India was up 28.2%. There was also a pretty good spread of industrial demand, with vehicles up 23.2%, semicons up 11.8%, and machinery up 0.8% the total overall was being dragged down really only by petroleum products, which fell no less than 44.2%, that's what prices does for you, and petrochemicals, ditto, down 5.3%. We also had data from Taiwan today. Now, Taiwan has been the conspicuous front runner in the Northeast Asian trade recovery, and in September, its exports in dollar terms were up 9.4%. And whilst the monthly movement was still only on trend, this was still the highest year-on-year growth since early 2018, if you discount the uh, freak months where uh, Chinese New Year is is, is, um, disturbing the data. Of course, Taiwan's exports are driven overwhelmingly by machinery and electronics, and those rose 21% year-on-year. But there's also modest growth in opticals, up 9.1%, and other goods, which is always good to see, up 13.2%. And even its legacy plastics and rubber products business was up 0.9%. But like Korea, its total is getting hit by petrochemicals, where dropping prices meant that its exports in petrochemicals were down 62.1%. Looking at demand, looks pretty good. China and Hong Kong up 22.3%, US up 14.5%, but Japan down 7.6%, ASEAN down 4.1%, EU down 4%. Between them, Japan, South Korea, and Taiwan account for a third 
of Northeast Asia's exports. So unless China springs a really nasty shock on us, September is going to turn out to be another month of unusually strong export growth for Northeast Asia. And I should add, there's no reason to believe or expect China's exports are going to go down in September, at least according to what we know of its trading partners and the indication from China's own September PMIs, which included a 1.7 point rise in the export order sub-index to 50.8. Now that's the first 50 plus results since December 2019 and the strongest since May 2018. So whilst Europe obsesses about a second wave of COVID-19, it's good to know that the rest of the world economy is genuinely beginning to find its feet and Northeast Asia's exports are showing that vitality. So that's all for today. Thank you for listening. I hope you got something out of it. And if you did, please pass the word around. And if you'd like to know more about cold water economics, of course, please feel free to contact me, Michael Taylor, on mjtcoldwater at fastmail.com. Thank you.